All right, so folks, thank you for listening today. Uh, I have on the phone with me Keith Santangelo, who is the general manager and owner of Bourbon Street Bar and Grill in New York City. So, Keith, thanks for joining. Oh, I'm happy to be here, man. I'm excited. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, man. So I'm uh, I'm actually curious to talk to you because for a while, can tell me how many years you've been the GM there, and then within the last year or so, uh, you, you're now the owner. So what what happened? Tell me about that. Um, it was a really really cool opportunity and uh, interesting journey. Um, I started here as the general manager in the very beginning of 2009, like uh, March or April of t- 2009, and I was hired in as a general manager. Um, and I was so I was here, I guess, until uh, 2013. And then um, I went to help out at one of our other bars. I took over a different project, kind of a turnaround project. And in the process of being there, um, got a phone call from the partners here and got invited back uh, to, to, to buy a couple of them out and become the owner after being the GM and director of operations here for a long time. So um, that was the phone call of a lifetime for me. I've, I've just been in love with the place for a long time. And as I'm sure we'll get to, I'm born and raised in South Louisiana, so it was a it was a fit for me, and I fell in love with the place, and I'm just delighted that it's uh, mine and my partners now. We're having a blast. So you have, you have one partner, and you guys you guys bought out uh, Bourbon Street Bar and Grill from the former owners. That's correct. Yeah. And now, did you um, when you did that? Was was this just an opportunity where they were moving on? I mean, had, had you always wanted to own a restaurant, or did it just kind of it happen where you had the opportunity and you said, you know, let's, let's do it? Or tell me more about that. No, I think I, I've always wanted to. I um, I kind of I talk to people about this a lot, and I it, it sounds like a cliche, um, which I'm sure a lot of owners go through. It sounds like a cliche, but it's really true. It kind of chose me. I kind of didn't have a choice. I uh, grew up um, in a family that was half Italian and half Cajun French. And my dad owned, my dad was a butcher, you know, uh, grew up with my dad owning his own butcher shops and grocery stores and delis and stuff. So I just kind of grew up around food. Uh, and and as well, being half Cajun and half Italian, uh, I mean, I, I, I'm of course a little biased, but I don't think there's any better, like, life introduction to <laughs> to the hospitality business than just growing up that way. Every single thing we did uh, involved a lot of people, a lot of family, and delicious food and drinks you know whether it was the italian side or the cajun side um i, I was very lucky with my uh, exposure to culinary um you know things and and family get-togethers at a very young age so i think it kind of chose me i just didn't have a choice that's that's so cool man yeah i mean two cultures that are just certainly centered around um lots of people and, and great food so then so here you are so you've got this opportunity so you now, was your partner already a part of the business, too? or Yeah. How- I'm sorry. Yeah, interestingly enough, he and I had both been here since uh, – he was actually here a little bit before me in 2008 as um, uh, one of the nighttime bartenders, and he sort of became the bar manager over the course of the time that I was the general manager. And uh, uh, we went and did that. Uh, we were both here for a long time. We became friends. We We actually were, you know, great friends with the previous owners as well. And we kind of both went to take over that uh, other project that I was talking about, and it was within the family. It was one of their other bars. So, uh, just to paint that picture, they had a, they have many businesses, and it was one of the other ones we went to turn around. 
And in the meantime, they uh, they had called us both back up while we were there and asked us if we were both interested in coming back together, and we certainly were. We were uh, we were hoping for that. You know, I don't know if we knew it would work out exactly this way, um, but it was both of us. Uh, for both of us, it was a long-term goal to uh, eventually open our own place. So it worked out perfect. Now, when you're a GM, I mean, you're you know you're. It's it's kind of your baby anyway. You're there all the time. You're running the place. You're kind of just managing every aspect. So, but what what changed for you? I mean, I know there's some obvious things, but just I want to hear that from your perspective. Like, so from going, you're now the GM and owner. So, uh, talk about that transition and maybe some things that you you've learned, some things that maybe you hadn't expected, or you know how you've kind of handled that emotionally or psychologically or whatever from from making that change. Yeah, I think. Um... You know, it probably should have been a bigger transition for me than it was. I and, and people might not believe me, but I really tried anyway. When I was a GM, I really I I just pretended I was the owner anyway. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, I just tried to run it as if it was mine anyway. Um, so so it probably should have been a bigger transition as regards to how it was being managed. I, I really think we already managed that way. Myself and the rest of the management team, we love the place, so I think we already treated it like it was our own. But certainly there was a transition when you come back and, you know, there was a lot that, as GM, I know you feel like you have a lot of responsibilities, but then there's still a great deal of things that are passed off to the owner, handled by the owner. So I'd say the biggest transition for me was the the entire spectrum of operating a business when I came back as owner and GM. You know, um, we start getting into bills, and P&Ls, and payroll, and uh, many, many other things, um, you know, insurance, <laughs> taxes, <laughs> all yeah, of the yeah. things that come along with uh, with being an owner as well as a, a general manager. So I think it was just a, it was a transition of now being responsible for absolutely everything. And I'm sure the other owners out there know exactly what I'm talking about. So that was the transition for me. Um, the whole spectrum of operation is now your responsibility. So. Well, you know, so you had that attitude when you were a GM, and I mean, that's something that, you know, I'm sure any owner is looking for is you would one day if you transitioned away from, you know, GM or whatever, but, like, how do you find, like, how did they find you? How do you find people that are going to treat it that way when it's not theirs? Because it seems like such a, like, that to me seems like one of the really key pieces of, of being a successful owner is finding people on your team that are going to treat it truly like it is their own and look at it that way. But I would imagine that's pretty rare. Uh yeah, I think so, and I think uh, you hit the nail on the head. It's a huge piece, and, you know, um, I'm certainly not going to be the first person to talk about um, finding talent as being a big, you know, finding talent, finding great managers and great people as being probably the biggest part of our business of what we do here. Um, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way, and it, it really is. And how do you do it? I really don't know. You know, I've, I've read a, you know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of different philosophies on the hiring um, I can give you mine personally, and mine is when 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 I call in, when I meet managers, or I'm holding interviews, I uh, it's so very little of it is technical. You know, I'm honestly hiring on on character, on on uh, mostly on character, but I'm hiring on you know what drives people, what they're passionate about. The the technical aspect of it is so small because people can be trained to me. Um, but it, so when I when I interview people, it's it's almost just like a regular conversation. I mean, we spend a lot of time together just talking, um, and I'm trying to get a feel for people because you, you know if you can hire good people, um, you can train them to do anything. If you can surround your business with good people, it just makes everything else easier. So I've heard a lot of people out there. I know even when I read your book, the Restaurant Owners Uncorked book, you know a lot of people 
touched on uh, hiring practices and what a big part of the business finding good managers and good people is. And I mean, it's just the truth. And we're very lucky here. I think now, what are we in our seventh year of operation here now? And I think we've never had a team this good. You know, we've just hit that sweet spot where everybody that's here has been here for a while. They all love their job. They're all doing, you know, things, something that they're passionate about. And when you hit that sweet spot, you really, really can tell. All of a sudden, the place is almost running itself, you know, and you're around uh, crossing T's and dot I's. But, you know, you can really feel the difference when you've uh, surrounded yourself with good people. Now, you guys, so you've got, you know, a New Orleans, uh, sort of New Orleans meets New York City. Um, So you have a you know, a, a unique concept in some ways, I and mean, I don't know if you're the only, you know, that New Orleans-style restaurant there, but you're somewhat unique in the concept, but then you still have to have great food, great service, all the, you know, all the things you've got to get right every day. Like, what are you guys doing that's working really well, do you think? You've been at it for a while. I mean, if you've been, you know, doing it this long, you've clearly got some things figured out. New York's such a tough market. Um, yeah. So what are some of the things you think you all really do well? Well, um, I won't lie to you. It was a it was a process. Um, so uh, you know, it, it it was figured out as we go. And I know every I, again, I know um, everyone I think understands that. But it's really a process. I think it took us a couple of years. And and granted, I I started about a year after the the first owners opened it. I came in about a year after in two thousand nine. They opened in two thousand eight. And it took two years to really find and understand the identity. Um, and a big part of that was uh, was what I could bring to the table from a culture perspective because, you know, the first owners were not uh, from Louisiana, and I think that's probably a big part of the reason that I got the job. Um, but uh, they were on a great track, and they built a beautiful place, and they uh, it was a beautiful establishment and operation regardless. But I think just a little bit uh, that I was able to bring in from an authenticity standpoint um, helped us find our identity. So once it was really once we found our identity and we knew what we were, we were able to hit our stride. And I think that's a big thing. A lot of people, a lot of people kind of don't know what they are in the beginning. And uh, to me, that's a big mistake. I think you need to know exactly what you are and, and be true to that. Um, so now, what I think we do really well is we're we're a casual bar and grill. Um, we have great price points with great value. We offer a cultural experience that you really can't get anywhere else up here, and uh, and we really the things the, the cornerstones are what we do well. I think excellent service. We put hospitality above everything else. Um, we offer really great value and quality on the food and drinks, and we do it consistently. And consistency is the key. So um, as you do that, you just get busier and busier. You know, you you develop the return guests, you develop the regulars, you get new guests on top of that. So if you can hit that stride. Uh, and be consistent and be true to your identity it really uh it really helps it really starts to pan out so do you have are you are you mostly um are you focused heavily on recurring customers or repeat business or i mean what's your customer base maybe i'm like you know you're in new york you must have a lot of tourists too but what are you really focused on it's really unique we have a we have a dead on mix of both so both pieces of those of that business is really important to us. Um, to be honest with you, even though we're we're in the theater district in Times Square in New York City, so um, there's definitely an aspect of transient like tourists. But uh, to be honest with you, I would say 60 or 70 percent of our business is 
regular clientele, repeat guests, people that live or work in the area. You know, we're we're situated right between Times Square and Hell's Kitchen. So we're kind of in a unique um location where from the west side of Manhattan, from Hell's Kitchen, we get a lot of neighborhood people, regulars. Uh from the Times Square sort of business district, we get a lot of corporate parties, a lot of people that work in the area that come every day. Um and then the rest of it, you know, I would say maybe 20% of it is tourism from Times Square. And I would say the rest of it is sort of, uh, I don't know if this uh, saying will, will hit home with folks who aren't from here, but it's sort of the bridge and tunnel crowd. And what I mean by that is people that are living in the tri-state area that aren't necessarily tourists, but they're not in every day. They're coming in for a show, uh, see a show with their family, or you know, go see the tree at the holiday time, or do some Christmas shopping, and then they're out. So we really have a really interesting mix of all of it and um it, it it benefits us you know sometimes when the tourism season is slow we have our regulars that are around more and vice versa so uh it's a mix and we've uh, we've learned over the years to balance it really well and uh we're grateful for it because we love seeing all of them and they get us through the whole year that's cool, man. So, um, you know, you have, I mean, being in New York, I mean, you just mentioned you're in the theater district in Times Square. So clearly I'm going to imagine you've got a really high rent factor. Um, what are, uh, and then New York is just like its own, it's just kind of like its own animal with regulatory stuff or whatever. I mean, are there, um, talk a little bit about, because I mean, I know there's a lot of people, you know, there's tons of people that own restaurants in New York. There's, it's a great restaurant culture. I would imagine that a lot of the folks listening to this, probably are in that area. So what are some of the things that uh, you think are unique there? Obviously, there's some positives of just having so many people coming there, but then what are some of the, the tough challenges of operating a restaurant there that somebody that might be wanting to have their own place should you know, be be aware of? Um, well, I think, you know, the benef- you hit the nail on the head with the benefit. The benefit is the volume, you know. I mean, the, the density of people uh, that are here and walking up and down the street, and it's New York City. There's always something happening. People are in and out every day, so the the benefit is the volume and what's going on and your proximity to guests. You know, the density of the population in this tiny island is what sustains this amount of restaurants. You know, um, the 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 flip side of that though is there is an incredible amount of competition, and places are opening and closing all the time, and. You know, even being here six years uh, feels like a victory, and, you know, uh, thank goodness we're doing great, so I hope we're here for 30 more. Um, But there is a lot of competition, and I think what makes it difficult, obviously the rents um, are um, a challenge, you know, uh, and the rents are high, uh, you know. But uh, I think the biggest challenge, I mean, we actually in the last, in 2012, we got a great um, advocacy group, the New York City Hospitality Alliance, so sort of a great kind of, um, alliance for the hospitality industry, um, and that has been a big help because I think one of the biggest challenges in New York City is the regulatory um, environment. You know, there, you know, I I don't know how much of it the rest of the country or even other states around here get to pay attention to, but um, the city itself has imposed a lot of things on the restaurant industry as of late, like paid sick leave, um, really um, raising the minimum wage um, each year, so things like that. Uh, the health the health department inspections with the letter grades and 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 listen us we all love that i mean we love we've always had an a so uh, and i'm not tooting my horn there but we love hanging an a in the window because we love for the guests to feel confident when they come in here but the the fines that come along with that are a challenge at times and 
it's just a, a there's a lot going on you know it's new york and there's a lot of uh inspections and a lot of go- city agencies and things like that so the compliance is is more difficult than it might be other places um and the rent is of course high but you know there's some benefits to it and if you if you navigate it properly and you operate well you really can do well but the competition is uh the competition is high it's new york city well you know but you know it's interesting because it's it's like you kind of touched on this. I mean, the thing is, no matter what, and I know that it's easy for me to say this because I don't own a restaurant in New York, but the one way I kind of look at it, or I hope I would look at it if I did, is, okay, there's a level playing field in the sense that if there's some regulatory issue, we all have to deal with it. Uh, if they make, you know, whether it's paid sick leave or whatever, like everybody has to comply, everybody has to deal with it. So then doesn't it become an opportunity in some ways for, you know, owners, operators that have their ducks in a row, that are executing well every day to thrive because everybody, people are going to come to New York. New York needs restaurants. New York's always going to have a lot of restaurants. So if you're, you know, if you if you have it figured out and you're working your tail off to just do the, you know, like you said, kind of execute every day on this four corners, then doesn't that give you some opportunities to, you know, like every year you last almost, you know, doubles the potential lifespan of the restaurant in some ways? Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. And that's what I meant by sort of, I just touched on it with the with the letter grade thing, which is the letter grade, you know, no one wanted the letter grades. You know, I don't know if, if you guys heard about that or remember it, but no one wanted it. But but that's what I was kind of touching on there. But, you know, if, if you're hanging an A, if you're doing your job, you, an A really is achievable. Um, and I don't mean to sound uh, smug about that. It's a, it's, it's a challenge, but it's achievable. And if you're hanging an A and everyone else on your block isn't, yeah, you're right. It gives you an opportunity to thrive. And, and, and in New York City, with so much turnover, the longer you're there, as you said, I think people just have more confidence. Um, and people feel more familiar with the brand and they have more confidence and you become um, homey to them, you know, you become like a go-to. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I absolutely do. Now, let me, I want to go back to, um, touch on something because I would imagine there are a lot of folks that, you know, are, they're a general manager like you were and, you know, they're either, you know, they're hoping to own their own place one day or maybe they're, you know, they know that the opportunity in the place they're in might be there a few years down the road or whatever. Um, Okay, so you get this call and you go, oh, hey, you know, you have this opportunity to buy this place. So then what do you do for, like, like how do you go, and you don't have to get into to the details, but just generally speaking, like, do you just use a bunch of savings or do you go, how do you finance something like that? Um, it, you know, that's a challenge, and it's a combination of, at least in my case, it was a combination of all things, you know. Um, had I been, you know, you're saving and you're planning on it, uh, you're hoping for an opportunity, um, and then, you know, the second part of it is you 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 going around trying to get a loan, you know, um, and that's uh, especially the last five years. That's been a tough aspect of it is you know getting someone to to believe in you or say a bank to finance you or partner with you as you as you buy in. In my situation, and I can only sympathize with with people who uh, are in a different situation. I was lucky that I was buying into a business that had sort of a proven track record of success and had been open for a while. You know, yeah. I think that helped certainly you know um if you're you know i can't imagine going to sit down in front of somebody and ask it for money for just 
me and my original idea, and I got nothing else behind this. <laughs> you know, um, that's got to make it even even more difficult. And uh, the people that figure that out, I just uh, I really admire. Um, I've heard a ton of great stories being in this industry, and I've been doing this since I was 16. So I moved to New York from Louisiana when I was 18, and I started uh, serving waiting tables and bartending. So I've been doing this for a long time, and um, it's an industry that I've paid close attention to since since I was very young. So I've heard some great stories about people bootstrapping and um, working three jobs and putting some savings away to get things started. And um, I've heard other stories uh, like mine, you know, where you get an opportunity and uh, you have a little savings and you're able to finance the rest of it. And, you know, um, I, I think there's more than one ways to skin that cat, uh, but uh, none of them I think are very easy, you know, but... Uh, but they are doable, and it is very worth it, especially if you're, you know, it's a unique breed of people. But if you're a restaurant owner and you know that, uh, there's nothing else you'd rather be doing. So it is worth it. Well, so tell me this. Um, I think there's a lot of people that have this idea, like, I want to be a restaurant owner. Because I hear this a lot, and then you, they don't really know what it means, what it, what the day in the life is like. So tell me, uh, you know, just what a general day in your life is like, and then, because I know there's a lot of stuff that goes on in a day in the life of Keith Santangelo, so uh, then tell me, even with all that, what are the things that kind of keep your fire burning and make you want to get up every day and do it again and again, because I know it's something you love. Yeah, well, I the, I'll answer the last part first. The thing that keeps the fire going is that it, you... you I mean, again, it all sounds cliche, and I apologize about that, but there's no other way to describe it. You genuinely yeah, yeah, love sure. what you do, you know? I mean, uh, I love having people here and groups here. I love walking around the floor and seeing people that I know that have been here many times. I love having them celebrate their anniversaries here, their birthday parties here, bridal showers, wedding showers. We just had a, a, a baby shower. And it, it, especially when it's people that you start to know, it's part of your community, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to say except that, that gives me genuine joy. You know, I love providing an environment where people can come and celebrate their life occasions and have good food and great drinks, and just sort of celebrate that together. And I love being a part of the community. Um, like I said, I think that goes back to those roots I was talking about in the very beginning. You know, where like just my entire life uh, growing up involved uh, family and friends coming together over food and drinks and just sort of celebrating life. Um, whatever the occasions were, you know, they were, but, uh, that's how it all always, uh, happened around me and my family. So that I get genuine joy out of that and doing that for other people. Um, um, I also just, I also just love the business, you know, I love, uh, we, we haven't, uh, gone too far about talking, talking about opening up the next place or not, but, you know, I, I have tons of ideas and I, I really love that aspect of it. I love, um, all of the, um, different, uh, cuisines and, different uh, concepts so you know we enjoy that part of it the creative part of it what can we come up with next what sort of place can we open and all the different things that go into that um is is a secondary love so but a day in the life sorry for my long-winded answer here no, 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 that's awesome uh a day in the life uh it starts pretty early and I, I guess it would be different for different uh depending on the place you know i have this is a pretty big place bourbon street so um i'm lucky enough to have a management team uh day in the life i start pretty early i know everybody's different i'm an early riser I'm almost always up by 6 a.m., and um, 
I just feel I I feel better when I start my day early. So I get up around 6 a.m. and uh, I'm a family guy. I got a wife and three kids, so I usually get up early with my kids, um, start them off, and get them to school, and then I head into work. So I'm usually here about 9 a.m. Um, and that's about a, that's a quiet hour. You know, usually the staff's in around 10. We're open every day from 11 to 4, and the staff's usually in around 10. So that quiet first hour is probably the most important hour of my day because I I get my calendar, I get my task list, I, I figure out exactly what today needs uh, to hold, and I prioritize, and uh, we get started. But then I'm here um, from uh, 9 a.m., usually till around 7 or 8 p.m., Unless unless there's something going on later at night that I want to be here for, sometimes we have big events or special occasions and things like that. I stick around for, um, but I have a couple nighttime managers that come in at that point. I usually stay through the dinner service, and it's a bar as well, so we're open till 4 a.m. And at that point, uh, usually I'll let the uh, PM manager sort of bring it home for the day. Um, but you know, is it a lot of hours? It is. I spend a lot of time in the office, and I try and spend as much time as I can as well uh with my management team and on the floor with my staff and uh seeing the guests so um it's not a cliche there it is a lot of hours um you know for 50 60 sometimes more uh hour a week is not unheard of especially depending on what you got going on but um you know you get a reward out of it you know it's worth it and uh you're used to it and thank god i met my wife in the same industry so she's uh <laughs> She sort of was expecting it, so thank goodness for that. I have a wife who understands. You know, I, 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 w- I wouldn't know what to say to someone who hadn't also been in the industry. My wife was a restaurant manager when I met her, so um, she uh, she luckily understands most times when I say I'll be home at 5 and actually come home at 11 p.m. or midnight. <laughs> she's she's very understanding, so I'm lucky. Yeah, that would be key for sure. If you, uh, <laughs> yeah, because it's it's tough to find the, the balance. I would imagine. So, well, then let me ask you this: So, you mentioned, you know, um, you know, batting around ideas for if you guys were to uh, grow or open another location or a different concept or whatever. Do you? Um, I always wonder this. Like, so you're there a lot. So you being there has got to, in many ways, be a really important part of why you all have been successful whether it was just as a GM now as, as the owner as well. So, But if you were to grow and you were to open another location or a different concept or either or, or you would, by default, have a lot of attention placed on that. Do you, wor- do you worry or do you wonder how to find the, the right balance if you were to go in that direction? And maybe you haven't thought about it at the time, but I'm just always curious about that. Like, How do I leave my baby in good hands so that I can grow my family, you know, metaphorically speaking, right? Uh, but make sure that you know I don't uh, that the baby doesn't get you know uh, absolutely left with no attention or you know not fed or whatever. So how do you how do you find that balance if you were to go in that direction? I honestly think that is is probably one of the hardest things to do. And I, I was reading something the other day, and I think it I don't remember exactly who it was. It might have been it might have been Danny Meyer of the Union Square Hospitality Group. But I I think it was. I think it was him. I was reading something. Yeah, he, wrote, he wrote. He uh, wrote. He wrote. Setting the table. That's right. Which he is, wrote, I mean, I'll give that book a plug. That's like a. That's like <laughs> a, a must read. Absolutely. Book in the if you haven't read that yet, you have to. You, you got to start um, there. Yeah. But I think I was reading. Um, it's that's a terrific book and it, well deserved plug because again, if if the prospective owners or owners listening that haven't read it, of course, please uh, read it. But um, I think I was reading an interview with him the other day, and he was saying the hardest thing he ever did was go from one to two. And then from two to three, and then after three, there was sort of 
uh, a system in place, an infrastructure in place to continue to grow. Okay. Right. All right. But yeah. Sure. You yeah. get what I'm saying. So, like three and beyond, I think, is somewhat easier than one to two or two to three. I think that's the hardest part because you don't have sort of a, um, a head office or an infrastructure in place to sort of keep growing. It's you. So then, you know, that is to me the hardest part. So how do you how do you take your eye off of this to go do the second thing and replace yourself? Because you know, uh, when you're an owner in one place, you're doing a full time job. And if you're going to go spend any time working on uh, the second concepts or the second places, someone sort of has to uh, pick up where you left off. So I think it's a I think it's a really difficult transition. Um, I I'm lucky that I have two managers that have worked with me side by side and for me for four or five years. Um, so to me, I don't know if there's any replacing that. You know, having someone work with you and next to you for four or five years, I have a great level of confidence that they understand exactly what we're trying to achieve, that they share the same passion. So I would feel confident uh, using some of our long-term staff members to help us grow, but I would definitely need that help. And uh, if I didn't have that, I really don't know. I think it would be a much more difficult proposition, a much more difficult undertaking uh, to try and keep your eye on a bunch of places at once um, when you don't have people who share exactly what your vision and your goal is and exactly how you're trying to achieve it, I think that would be really hard. So, Yeah, I mean, it, it really it, it, but you have to find, you know, it's just kind of like the guys that owned Bourbon Street before you found you, and you became a very trustworthy uh, operator who, no, no easy task. Uh, but, yeah, I've, I've heard that before. Like, I feel like somebody that... Um, well, you mentioned, you know, I feel like when we did Restaurant Owners on Court, that the book, somebody mentioned that too. It was, it, it may have been that same quote, actually, but I think somebody that had done that kind of reiterated, like, that was that, that one to two was so tough, but then I think once they said, you know, once they got into four or five, it was, it was a, a less of a, um, a difficult transition or whatever. Yeah, I think, but, I think once you have things in place, it's yeah. a little bit easier to keep growing, you know. When you're going from one to two, you're doing. You're, it's like redoing everything for the first time, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's a. It's a challenge I hope to take. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely, yeah. And it's it's you know that there's probably just a lot of emotional stuff that goes within like trying to really replace yourself. Uh, but if you get the right people, then you're going to get to a point where you go, gosh, you probably say, why didn't we even do that sooner? Like it's, but a, a, a tough. Uh, tough thing to pull off and you have to do it at the right time too because it seems like a lot of folks you know you hear the stories of folks that had something really cool and a good concept and a successful one and they tried to grow too fast and it was just you know it just kind of all like a a house of cards kind of but uh absolutely yeah you have to yeah so well man this is uh really awesome stuff keith i i really thank you for taking the time to do this and um just uh, my hat's off, man. I mean, congratulations to to uh, you know making the transition and owning, owning a, a great restaurant. And folks, if you're if you're in New York, I mean, what a perfect location. You're gonna, probably going to be around Town Square, or the Theater District. Go check out Bourbon Street Bar and Grill. Um, and uh, you know, thanks for listening, Keith. Thanks so so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Will, it was my pleasure. I really enjoy everything that you guys do, and you've been a great partner. We've uh, We've loved having Schedule Fly for all these years, so my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. You bet, man. Appreciate it, Keith. Have a good one. You too, Will. Bye-bye. All right, take care. Bye.